Oh boy, you guys. Welcome back to another episode. Uh, this We're the Real Couple. I'm Dallas. And I'm Paige. Uh, and we're your hosts. Guys, we are talking about an absolute doozy of a movie today. Sure are. Damn this thing. Oh, like, I'm sure it comes as no surprise, but we loved this movie. We did. Yeah. Um, top to bottom, damn near perfect. Paige, what's the movie? It is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. And, oh, so, uh, we have not done an episode on the first film, but... Oh, yeah, we haven't. I love that first movie. Absolutely. It's... It took Best Animated that year as well at the Oscars. So well-deserved. Um, and I would say this one is better. Yeah. Um, one thing that I will say about the first one, it's a very uh, you-get-what-you-give type of an experience. I would agree. The more research I have done on that first film, the more I adore it. The more I've learned about what went into animating that, mm-hmm. what went into uh, coming up with the different art styles, what went into designing the software needed in order to pull that off. Oh my gosh. Incredible. And then there's just things where you it needs to be told to you or you'll never notice it on your own. Mm-hmm. Um so many things like uh, the the concept of um, okay to to give our listeners a bit of a um, lesson in animation. There's what's called animating on ones, which uh, your normal film is anim or is shown at 24 frames per second. Correct. Spider Verse is also shown at 24 frames per second. However, uh, certain characters. Or certain characters in certain moments are animated on ones, which means for those 24 frames that are shown in a second, they animated 24 different positions uh, for that person, or 24 new images. But then sometimes they animated on twos, which would be you draw uh, one image that gets used in two separate frames. And so, we only see... So does that make it slower? It doesn't make it slower. It just makes the... uh, So does that mean they only use 12 images? Exactly. Okay. But... Because for some reason my brain was like, on twos, that means there's 24... Or uh, 48. No. But there's only 12. Okay. Yeah. I got you. It's division, not multiplication. Um, So... With that, it just means, like, instead of having a hand here, here, and here, it goes from this all the way to this. And so you get less of the in-between moments in an arm swing or something like that. Um, I realize that I have now shown Paige, and I can't show you because this is audio. Oh, well. Um, But there are even... The moments when a character is animated on twos, the background can move on ones. So they may be uh, panning the camera or something, and so you'll see, like, the, you know, we're going around a tree, or the trees in the background are still moving mm-hmm. around each other. 
that can still be animated on ones, but the characters interacting with the environment may be animated on twos. There's a moment when um, Peter B. Parker is showing Miles Morales how to swing, and they're both animated on twos. However, they are not animated on the same twos. And so, uh, one person will move, and the other will stay the same. Then the other character will move while the first person's staying the same. Then that person will move, and so it sort of does that. But as they get more in sync and learn how to swing together, by the end of that shot, still animated on twos, but, but the now they're twos. synchronized on twos. Interesting. It's insane the stuff they did for this. It's and they really just continued that on in the second film. Yeah. Um, I just found out that uh, Spider-Punk is animated on threes. Oh, wow. Just to give him more of just that, like, crunchy look. Um, because that was why they decided to do uh, Miles in Animated on Twos, was to, they, they called it giving his movements a crunchy style. Interesting. And it was really just to make it, uh, visually subconsciously seem like he's not as coordinated yet he doesn't have that flow yeah okay and so he doesn't start getting animated on ones from what i understand until the leap of faith interesting when he when what's up danger plays yeah. that's when he's on ones that's when he's fluid that's when he's discovered his his step so before we dive into the second movie yeah anymore um obviously we recommend this movie so much one thousand percent worth seeing it in the theater Mm -hmm. especially either now or soon because uh i just found out i think yesterday that uh they will be releasing a new version of the film because a lot of people have been complaining about the sound mix it's been really difficult to hear certain characters certain pieces of dialogue stuff like that i guess they just either mix the sound in a way that maybe sounds good in headphones or in a sound booth or something didn't translate well but yeah once it's actually being blasted through theater speaker um systems it just didn't quite translate well but they've they've heard that and they've made adjustments and they're releasing those adjustments which i think is so phenomenal yeah we're definitely gonna go see it again in theaters yeah uh i would also say make sure to see the first movie yeah before i Mm -hmm. talked to quite a few people who have heard about this second spider-verse movie and are like oh i want to see it and i'm like you you gotta watch the first one first are you yeah talking to people who want to see the second one but yeah have not Uh oh my gosh like this new one is phenomenal You've got to have that stepping stone yeah, of the first one, though. Exactly. The first one is a stepping stone. Um, this one is absolutely phenomenal, it, though. It perfectly builds off of everything that's established. Oh, absolutely. The, the only things it doesn't utilize that well, kind of getting into spoilers, but I would say Spider-Pig Noir and um, Penny Parker. But... They're going to be used. Yes. Yeah. Because also another thing that I guess may be a spoiler. It wasn't a spoiler for us, but it seems like it has been for a lot of other people. This is catching a lot of people off guard. This is a part one film. Yeah. 
Um, this movie does not wrap up the story by the end of the two hour and 20 minute runtime. Yeah. I originally, I went in believing that this series was going to be four films. So Into the Spider-Verse, Across the Spider-Verse Part 1, Across the Spider-Verse Part 2, and Beyond the Spider-Verse. I have since found out, because there was, I think the first trailer they released was Across the Spider-Verse Part 1. I swear it said Part 1, yeah. I know, for a fact, I have seen Across the Spider-Verse Part 1 as a logo. They have, I guess, decided to either um, change the title, or that Part 1 was to just let us know that this was going to end on a cliffhanger. But yeah, uh, the next film is not going to be Across the Spider-Verse Part 2. It's just going to be Beyond the Spider-Verse. And that's going and it's to be gonna wrap it up. the wrap-up of mm-hmm. this film. But this film, um, because they knew they were getting a third when they started it, they did not feel the need to um, complete the story. Which I'm not mad about. Yeah. And something that's pointed out is that this film on its own does have a very complete story in and of itself. Yes. Each, several characters have a beginning of their story, middle of their story, and end of their story. Mm -hmm. Even though the narrative is not complete, they had a complete story arc within this sector. Mm-hmm. Of the tale. Um, and I think that's really, really cool. Um, this movie is everything that every other multiverse movie wants to be. Yeah. But they I would... handle it so well. Mm-hmm. And something we've talked about is that stuff like this is so much better served by animation than it is by live action. Yeah. Marvel could never pull off a multiverse movie like this because they are so limited by being live action. Yeah. Whereas Spider-Verse, like, you can animate however wildly you want, and they do. Yeah. The the universe that people come from is so ingrained into their DNA that the way they visually manifest is a direct extension mm-hmm. from the world that they originated from. Which is beautiful. Gorgeous. Like, you start the movie, you have Gwen Stacy. Mm-hmm. Gwen Stacy? Spider-Gwen? Yeah. yeah. Um, and she's very much, like, watercolor yeah. type animation. Which is very much inspired by the uh, comic covers from her first few appearances, mm-hmm. which I think is so cool. And then you have Miles, who also has a very distinct comic book-like animation. Mm-hmm. And the first bad guy he fights is this, like, bird man. What's his name? I don't remember. He's the Vulture. The Vulture, yeah. yes. So uh, Michael Keaton from Spider-Man Homecoming... Is the vulture. Is the vulture yes. of, uh, of Earth that universe. 1999-99. Yeah. But this one comes from a universe that's parchment. Yeah. And so he's animated like he is a piece of parchment. 
And I think opening, like, I guess that wasn't like the very opening, but he's early on. Mm -hmm. Having that early on in the film is really what caught my attention. I'm like, oh, shit. These animators are like pulling out all the stops here. Yeah, there is no chill in this movie. I wouldn't say there's a single frame that would have been easy to animate. No, because then you have, like, Spider-Punk, mm-hmm. who always has the, like, bubble around, like, the spiky bubble around him. So anyone who is familiar with, like, the art style of, like, the Sex Pistols, like, their music videos and their um, album covers and stuff, where it looks like uh, someone cut out letters from magazines and stuff like that, that's what Spider-Punk's whole body looks like Mm -hmm. like his guitar looks like it's its own piece of paper that someone like glued over the rest of the frame like it's so insanely interesting well and just having every single character be animated in a different style like you have the oh gosh what's his name the i guess he's the big bad Spider-Man? Oh. With the, like, arm blade things? Spider-Man uh, 1999. Or, no, 2099. Spider-Man 2099. Or Miguel O'Hara. Yes, that's his name. I could not remember that. Which, we do see Miguel O'Hara for the first time in the post-credits on the first movie. Do we? Why yeah. do I not remember that? So, we see him get the... Uh, bracelet the the watch thing that lets you jump through and he jumps to another universe and it's that shot from the original spider-man tv show and he points at him and the spider-man's like hey don't you point at me and he's like yeah. I, you pointed at me first and then they do the the pointing yeah. meme and i was like oh that was exciting but like they kind of made it out to be a joke so i'm not sure if we'll get more of him or if they only brought him in just to make that joke and then this movie came out and I was like, nope, we're getting more of Miguel O'Hara. Holy shit. Well, and another thing with this movie, too, just talking about small details from the first movie. In the first movie, Miles Morales chucks a bagel at a guy. Oh, my And it gosh. feels like such a, like, throwaway moment. Like, just very inconsequential, right? The, the cool thing about the bagel throw when it hits the guy and that like little automatopoeia comes out of him that should say like bonk or smack or whatever. Mm-hmm. The th- it just word, says bagel, doesn't the it? The word that comes out of his head on impact is bagel. And so that was one of those like tiny little details that people kept pointing at and being like, oh my gosh, that's such a hilarious tiny moment in the first movie. Oh my gosh. And, and so- then to pull that character that got hit by a bagel... And to make him the villain, he is he's the one that turned into the spot. Mm-hmm. That's his name, right? Yeah. And I like the fact that they very logically told us that his character snowballed off screen. Yeah. But in a very believable way. Mm-hmm. This wasn't just uh, like, uh, you know, suddenly arriving in the ninth Fast and the Furious movie. And just being like, yeah, so here's uh, Dominic Toretto's brother, and uh, he's always been around, and you just never knew. Like, at that point, I'm like, time out. 
he always had a brother? What are you talking about? Yeah. And then in Fast X being like, oh yeah, and the bad guy from the fifth movie had a son that uh, was there the whole time, we promised, but you just happened to not see him. But uh, he played a pivotal role in all the events of five. What? No, he did not. Mm-hmm. With this one, though, it's like, hey, there was a guy, he got hit by a bagel in the first movie. Um, it's It's very believable that, you know, he was a henchman in that scene. He would have been a henchman in this other scene and this other scene. When the shit hits the fan, things get out of control, he was caught in the crossfire in some of those scenes. And being caught in the crossfire led to this, this, and this. And now here he is today. So believable. Yeah. So plausible. Loved it. And going in, I remember watching the trailers and, you know, there's the spot. And it's like, okay, so he's like, he's this fun little side villain that uh, is just going to kind of kick the story off in a fun way yeah and then, and then he'll obviously you know he'll get sent because he's prison. like the clumsy guy yeah and... like but he's there's no way he's gonna be the main <laughs> you, you wouldn't make something that goofy be your main villain in a movie like this and, and lord, they fucking do <laughs> lord and miller those are the producers and, and brilliant filmmakers they both went dallas you don't know what we're about shut your bitch ass up and oh my gosh like they will never not impress the hell out of me and even like this movie is just the whole package Mm -hmm. it has a great storyline it has beautiful animation beautiful like oh it could have one or the other and still be a great film Mm -hmm. and uh well one or the other but then just in the animation we can then break that into more things because there's the styles of animation and then within styles there's still great cinematography yes the shots of miles and gwen hanging out on that rooftop being upside down the way they draw the city and where they place them on it breathtaking oh my gosh absolutely beautiful. this is one of those movies that i would love if you printed out certain shots and when i say certain i mean a huge amount almost of every shots. shot yeah if you were to print that out blow it up and just say you know here's a poster sized version of a frame from across the spider-verse i would love to hang that on my wall that's a gorgeous oh, yeah. piece of art I'm looking at a piece of art that we have from the first one right now. I mean, that's not a frame from the movie. But you know what I mean. But yeah, like the fact that I I love the look of these characters, the style of this animation. You can easily take those characters and put them into an image. Mm -hmm. But with this movie, the images that make up the film are good enough. Absolutely, they are. You don't even need to do your own like have these characters then do a a power pose there's so many just they're naturally looking phenomenal Mm -hmm. um so getting into the story side of mm -hmm. things um i want to talk about how that machine sent miles back to where he was from 
Because oh, the machine... I thought you meant the collider from the first movie, but you're talking no. about the... I think it's just called the go-home machine or something? Yeah. Yeah. So okay. it, like, reads your DNA and it sends you back to the universe that you came from. But we found out that the spider that bit Miles and turned him into Spider-Man was not from his dimension. It was from a different dimension and ended up in his and ended up biting him. Which... At this point, I am so shocked I didn't see that coming. Right? Because in the first movie, the spider glitches. It does. The only How things, did we not pick up on that? The only things that glitch are things that don't belong in that world. And the we spider missed it. glitches. I never thought that the spider could be interdimensional. Right? I As soon as they said it, I was like, what? Really? Oh my gosh. And yeah, after the movie ended and I, I was thinking about it, I had these moments of like, that they told me. They did. They said it straight to my face. What the hell? Well, and just like the, I guess the momentum of the story at that point, when Miles is back in what he thinks is his home dimension... And he's talking to his mom. Yeah, so this is late in the movie. And Gwen is outside his house in what his dimension actually was. And you have these, like, back and forth of the two dimensions. And it's, like, slowly revealed that they're different. Sorry, that was another moment where they told me before they told me because he starts talking to his mom and she mentions like oh your hair's different or what yeah, happened you to your, took hair? your braids out you took your braids out he has never had braids yeah and i did not pick up on it it's insane it's cr- i was so invested in the movie that i was just looking you at what so was directly in front of me Like, oh my gosh. I loved and hated, like, Mm -hmm. just the feeling of like, oh shit, he's in the wrong place. And like, oh, and this is after, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, after Miguel O'Hara tells Miles that he's not supposed to be Mm Spider-Man. Like, that was not supposed to happen. Yeah. He, and I, oh my gosh, they do a great job of really explaining, like, the multiverses and, uh, not plot lines, but uh, timelines and how they interweave and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. And how every Spider-Man has a spider destiny. Like, they have a role to play mm-hmm. in the Spider-Verse. Yeah. And Miles is the one that was never supposed to get bitten and never become one of the Spider-Men. And if he just kind of flies below the radar and doesn't create waves, not a lot of harm will be done to the greater not just timeline but collection of timelines mm-hmm. but 
he is starting to meddle in other universes and he's starting Well, we saw him meddle in the one. Yeah. And in the India. What's the Indian one? Uh it's like Mumbahatan or something. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um so yeah, he's already had an effect there and um pretty much if he interacts with too many spider people that will have a ripple effect mm-hmm. that will make the entire spider-verse crumble all because miles has been put on a path that he was never destined for and his storyline in the movie is kind of discovering that no one wants him there not because of anything he's not because of who he is, but just because of bad luck. Like, no one has anything against him as a person. Mm-hmm. It's him as it's an It's him entity. as a Spider-Man. Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting, too, to see the story arc of Miguel's, I guess, henchmen. Mm-hmm. How they are, like, so on board with him and his mission. And then they start to see that that's not the side of history that they want to be on. Well... That that's not, like... Spider-Woman starts to have that. Uh, Is it Jessica Drew? The black girl? Yeah, uh, the black pregnant Mm -hmm. Spider-Woman. She starts to have that. I'm not sure if Ben Riley is there. I feel like Ben Riley may still be fully on board with Miguel. But Spider-Punk. Spider-Punk was and never really a henchman. Gwen. Oh, you're considering all of them henchmen. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of in the final scene when everyone's tracking Miles. Oh, no. I was just point, thinking of okay. everyone that okay. was like, that had like the bracelets, you know. Gotcha. Okay. Then yes, in that group of, of henchmen or... That group of henchmen from that point in time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Just to see their arcs. Mm-hmm. And I'm so intrigued to see how this third movie is going to bring those teams together. Because mm-hmm. at the very end of this one, they pulled in Spider-Ham and Noir. They brought back And, Penny. you know... The gang from the first one. Mm. And now they're adding Spider-Punk and... Uh, oh, I think um, Spider-Bite. The Which uh, one is that? The Avatar girl. Oh, yeah. Um, And there might be one or two other. I can't remember. But definitely Spider-Punk is now on the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, Spider-Punk's motivation... To uh, change sides, quote unquote, is so good. Oh, it's, it's amazing. It's really just like, oh, you had a change of heart? He's like, nah, I just don't like to be told what to do. Fuck the power. I made my own bracelet. Here you go. Yeah, like he's so, he is a middle finger to every society possible. Which like, he's so punk. It's so like, punk. The stick it to the man attitude yes. is so just ingrained in his dna um another thing 
which we'll have to link this on Instagram or something, but uh, one of my absolute favorite TikTokers uh, goes by the name of Straw Hat Goofy, did this entire video where he looks at the final uh, track of the soundtrack. And... Oh, so this video is incredible. You saw this? Okay. Yes. So, yeah, the big, huge spoiler twist ending that we kind of alluded to, but didn't quite come right out and say, uh, in the universe that the spider that bit Miles came from, that he gets sent back to, in that universe... Because the spider left and never bit Miles, Miles followed his, I guess, natural destiny or something. But he becomes Prowler instead of his uncle. And so now Miles, our Miles, is trapped, not just in the wrong dimension, but trapped by himself as Prowler. Mm -hmm. Which is insane. But that final piece of music brings back, like, the... Uh, iconic Prowler sound in the soundtrack. I'll insert it into the episode and, and you guys will hear the sound that I'm talking about starting now. Wasn't that fancy? I'm so good at that. Um, but then it starts to go into drums because Gwen Stacy is a drummer, which... Well, start, and that's how it started, yeah, too. with her just drumming and letting out her emotions and stuff. Oh my gosh, holy shit. Um, but yeah, so it goes from the Prowler sound because of Miles, but then it goes into the drumming of Spider-Gwen because she's coming for him. But then Spider-Punk is helping her, and so his like guitar riff comes in, and just all of this stuff comes together into this really momentous piece of music. It is absolutely amazing to hear. Um, That's another one of those things where, like, the more research you do on these movies, the more appreciation you have for them. Because I would not have picked up on all of those subtle little pieces same. of that sound. Yeah, the ability to have someone else listen to a soundtrack and dissect it like that and figure out what each stanza of music is trying to communicate is insane. And when it's done well, I love that stuff. Beautiful. Yeah. There's uh, another podcast called The Soundtrack Show. A uh, guy just picks a movie, goes through its soundtrack. Really, really phenomenal. Um, I've listened to his... Uh, Star Wars episodes, they're amazing. I've listened to his Jurassic Park episode, that's amazing. Highly recommend it. Go check him out. Um, but, uh, yeah, the soundtrack in this is incredible. Um, I, I feel like, as I've been talking, I'll be like, oh yeah, this was great. Which, remind me to go back to that. But, uh, so, when they're in like the, I don't know what you call it, but like Spider Society building or whatever... Oh, and yeah. And there's just so many Spider-Men in the background, which can't wait to be able to go through this frame by frame. Right. Um, but some things happen. They have, like, a prison where they keep, like, high-level Spider-Man villains. 
and so all these different things are you know all these different animation styles and they have a version of the prowler locked up and it is a live action prowler played by donald glover childish gambino who played so prowler is the alter ego of aaron davis Donald Glover plays Aaron Davis in Spider-Man Homecoming. And there's a moment in Spider-Man Homecoming where they pull up his uh, criminal rap sheet record thing. And it says, a.k.a. Prowler. Mm -hmm. And at some point, Peter Parker's interrogating him. And they mention the the weapons that Vulture has introduced to New York and, and is selling on the streets. And he's like, I don't want those weapons on the streets. I have a nephew that lives not too far from here. So Aaron Davis has already been played by uh, Donald Glover. He's already been labeled as Prowler. He's already verbally acknowledged that he has a nephew like everything about it are is just incredible and we finally got to see it i i don't know i kind of doubt that we'll ever get to see more of um donald glover as the prowler but holy shit that was phenomenal i feel like that is the kind of um here you know just throwing it out there giving you what you want that uh i wanted to see john krasinski play mr fantastic Mm -hmm. and then they gave it to me in uh multiverse of madness and then killed him off in the stupidest way possible and i'm i've been irate at that movie for almost two years now i hate it with this movie they gave me a shot of Donald Glover playing the Prowler, I'll be happy till the day I die. It's so good. So good. At one point, we see a live action uh, Andrew Garfield uh, with a dying Uncle Ben. We see a live action Tobey Maguire, too. We see a live action Tobey Maguire. We hear Miguel O'Hara complaining about people tampering with the timeline, and he mentions, don't get me started on Doctor Strange and the nerd from Earth 1999-99, which means Tom Holland's Spider-Man from the MCU. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like the fact that this is able to acknowledge the existence of the others while not... It's insane. Yeah. Um, oh, there's a moment when uh, the spot is popping in and out of all these different universes and he pokes his head into the Venomverse. Tom Hardy's Venomverse. Mm-hmm. We don't see Tom Hardy, but we see, I think it's Mrs. Chow, the Asian yeah. market uh-huh. lady. Um, yeah. Oh, like, another, the Lego universe that they visit. Bro! That was animated by a 14-year-old on spring break. Have you heard how he got the job? Maybe? I Remind guess, me. Uh, after like the first trailer came out or something, he made a YouTube video where he did like the Lego version of the entire trailer. He just recreated the whole thing with Legos. And they saw it and they were like, this is really good. Can we contact the kid? And they contacted him and they were like, are you willing to do a full scene? And he was like, yeah. <laughs> well, and then on edits, 
they were like, yeah, can you fix this and this and this? And he goes, yeah, after I do my homework. Yeah. Because he had just done it for fun on spring break. Yeah. Which, like... Like, I don't remember what I was doing at 14, but there's no way in hell it was anything that impressive. Yeah. There's no way at 14 I was contributing to a movie that will win the Oscar for Best Animated. I would like to see this nominated for Best Picture. Same. This is a It could. Yes. Because of how strong this is, there is no chance in hell that any other film is going to take Best Animated. No way. Which is unfortunate because this is a great year for animated films. And I feel like some of the ones that are going to be up against any other year could have won. But because it's this year, there's no way. What else are you thinking of? Um, it hasn't come out yet, but Ninja Turtles. Okay. I, um, Ninja Turtles looks Elemental really good. is probably going to be up there. Yes. I f- I'm expecting Elemental to have world-class animation. But I wouldn't be surprised if its story is close to something like Soul. Not to say Soul is a terrible film, but I feel like Soul could have been improved upon. Um, And, yes, Elemental looks like it has some very difficult animation going on. With that said... Spider Verse. I feel like I'm missing some. We've seen other ones this year. What There's have been we Mario. seen? Mario. Yes, that's another one we talked about. I don't think Mario. Um, I think Mario was really, really good, really, really fun. Did exactly what it needed to do. Mario was never going to beat Spider Verse. Um, but in any other year, it could have stood a chance. Yeah, I I feel like. Uh, Mario, I would have expected Mario to still get beaten by a Pixar. Yeah. Um, I don't, I think, okay, I am really, really excited for Ninja Turtles, Secret of the Ooze. I think the animation looks awesome. I think the writing sounds phenomenal. However, uh, I really, really like the animation. I'm overjoyed to see this kind of animation style brought to the Ninja Turtles. With that said, the whole movie is going with one animation style that I adore. Whereas Spider-Verse goes with like 32 animation styles that I really enjoy. Some of which I adore, some of which are just animators flexing. Um, So yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. Any other year, I think it would be fun to see something like Ninja Turtles versus Elemental and, and sort of wonder who's going to win. But with this year, it's like, uh, I don't know, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger versus Sylvester Stallone versus Optimus Prime. (laughs) Like, it, no, no. One's a giant robot with from space whose arm can turn into a gun. Like, shut up. So God. I have an answer. Yes. 
um, on Oscars mm-hmm. and uh, uh, best picture animated. The first one ever nominated was Beauty and the Beast in 1991. Okay. It did not win. Um, that year, it went to Silence of the Lambs. A very different movie. Um, the next time was in 2009 with Up. Okay. Wait. The next time a, an animated an film animated was nominated was for Best nominated Picture? nominated for Best Picture was Up in it 2009. It didn't happen again till 09. And that lost to Hurt Locker. Wow. And I... I think two of the greatest animated films ever made came out between Beauty and the Beast and Up. I consider Iron Giant and the the first Incredibles movie two of the very best animated to ever be made. Um, and then the next time was in 2010 for Toy Story 3. Okay. Did it win? So Toy Story 3 lost to The King's Speech that year. Okay. So from what I've been able to see so far an animated film has never taken best picture which is sad i would like to see that change yeah with this film yeah i don't know that it will yeah especially considering that it's the second film of a trilogy Mm. i think what's more likely to happen is that the third one would get nominated and take it as kind of a trilogy win like return Return of of the the king King did yeah i could definitely see that um yeah it's it's always interesting looking back through the years of um best picture winners versus best picture nominees because there is that debate of um should a film be judged based on its potential impact on society. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like we've been seeing a change in these nominations recently. Yeah. Um, Maybe not necessarily the winners, but at least the nominations. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like uh, you just pointed out, um, King's Speech, great movie. So good. When was the last time you rewatched King's Speech? I've never watched it. Have you never seen King's Speech? Mm-mm. Okay. I saw it. I think it's good. Even when I saw it, I, I feel like I thought it was a bit overhyped. Um, again, not that it's bad, but uh, not sure it was the best I'd seen that year. At this point in time, like, they made another Toy Story film after that. One that I think, I personally believe, is the best of the series. And Toy Story 3 is so good, I still know so many people who refuse to consider Toy Story 4 um, a worthy entry because of how good Toy Story 3 was. Mm-hmm. Um, that was profoundly good for not just an animated film, but a film in general. And a film that so effectively... Um, continued the life trajectories of characters that had been introduced to us years earlier. Um, I would definitely say a higher uh, a higher skill set 
in filmmaking was required to bring Toy Story 3 to the big screen than King's Speech. Um, so yeah, I, I would definitely say, you know, they got it wrong there. And uh, yeah, um, I think a lot of what I just pointed out, that you don't really even need to be looking back on it 10 years down the line. Mm-hmm. Just open your eyes and look at it back in 2010 or 2011, whenever that was. Um, it's not rocket science. You just weren't paying attention because you're the Academy. Yeah. Um, It'll be interesting to see how animated goes. Mm-hmm. This, obviously, this is going to win. Yeah. But I'd be very interested to see what it will be up against. Yeah. And we're only in June. Mm-hmm. There's still six more months of movies to come out. Well, not only six more months, but I feel like Academy season, a lot of the big deal movies, the... Uh, they are yet to come. Yeah. The production companies want those as the end of the year releases. Mm-hmm. So, so it's, it's on people's minds. minds. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we're halfway through the year, but we're probably not even close to halfway through receiving the, oh, the definitely contenders. Um, so yeah, it'll, it'll be very, very interesting. Um, but this, this movie is just bitch slapping records. As it should. As it should. Yeah. Um, God, I, I am positive that as soon as I say, I think that's everything. And we wrap this up. I'm going to be like, oh, shoot. We didn't touch on this or this or this or this. Um, one thing. Uh, you mentioned Gwen Stacy's world and how it's very watercolor-esque. But the way her world interacts with her... It's, uh, I saw, uh, an interview with Haley Steinfeld, the voice of Gwen Stacy, and I guess when they first sort of pitched her or explained to her what her world would look like, they said the entire world will look like a mood ring where the colors are affected by the character that's closest to them, and since we're seeing most of it through her eyes, whatever emotions she's feeling will dictate the look of the frame. I think the Gwen Stacy parts are the most beautiful of the animation. Yeah. I mean, I do love like that dark, but also like neon purple look of... The final Miles Morales universe where he's Prowler. Like, I think that's cool. Yeah. I would say it's beautiful. Okay. I feel like um, the way that they can bring the light so far down and make such a dark shot so that the small bits of color that are there are so vibrant is really gorgeous. In its own way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I might say that it's beautiful, but in a terrifying, it's yeah. terrifying in context, but beautiful in concept and in execution. But yeah, you, you know what I'm trying to say. Um, one thing that I, I really need to throw out there, because they went to this universe, I am really, really glad to hear 
Mahershala Ali reprise his role as Aaron Davis. He's mm-hmm. got a great voice. He does. Aaron or uh, Mahershala Ali has a great voice. Prowler's a great character. The way the way he plays it, I. He does a great job. Yeah. Going back to the first movie, every time he does the whole, uh, did you try the shoulder touch? That whole conversation, like, you find that girl, you go up to her, put her hand on her shoulder, and you go, hey. That is difficult for a voice other than Mahershala Ali to make it sound cool. Mm-hmm. And he does it. Yeah. And then Miles does not make it sound cool. Like, he immediately just goes, so you go up to her and go, hey. It's like, that didn't sound good. And Mahershala Ali's like, no, no, no. Like, hey. And as an audience member, I'm like, it's the same word. My jaw is falling open when he says it. (laughs) (laughs) This teenager is doing it terribly. Like, I, I don't know how you write that. How do you write, like, we'll have to find an actor who can make this sound good and another actor who makes it sound the way everyone else would make it sound. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Um, so yeah, very, very happy to, to hear that he got to reprise his role. Um, oh, one more art style that I cannot not mention. Throughout the film, the spot, his powers get more and more powerful and therefore more and more out of hand and by the end the art style being given to the spot is terrifying it really is it's very just everything swirling and and chaotic and chaotic in a way that is just worrisome just looking at shots of him animated in that way i worry it's like more and more unstable yeah it, it looks As it progresses like through. Unstable in a way where if anyone goes there, I don't think anyone is safe except for the spot because he's the only one that feels like he belongs there. Mm-hmm. And therefore he feels like he's the only one in control in his element. Like it, it feels like if anyone goes there, it's like falling into piranha infested waters. Yep. Like... You are a human being in water, so you're already outside of your element. And you are right in the thick of, of these guys' turf. Like, oh my gosh. I'm really scared for what the spot is bringing. Um, Which is so unexpected. So unexpected. I know we already talked about that, but holy moly. Um, and the fight scene at the beginning with the spot is so well choreographed. Mm-hmm. Like, it, and it happens so fast. Oh. Um, it's chaotic in a very miles way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and at some point, like, Miles kind of beats the spot, which is like, yeah, he won. But the spot gets, like, humiliated. And that kind of speeds up his trajectory on this very destructive path you know like to the point where i wish miles had beaten him in a way that didn't embarrass him as much Mm -hmm. like oh so good 
I know we're almost at an hour mark. There's more I want to talk about. I'm sorry. Um, the ability to write a Spider-Man film, but have such a prominent plot point be established and a common Spider-Man lore where part of being Spider-Man dictates the necessity to lose someone close to you Mm -hmm. and have that be it's meta without having the point of it be that it's meta like you're self-referential but not in a hey we're breaking the fourth wall but in a like finding out that this is part of your story without ever calling it a story like oh my gosh it didn't just nail Miles Morales it nailed all of Spider-Man but Spider-Man is such a good character because he's such a great example of a comic book character Mm -hmm. so the whole concept of you can only be the best version of this hero possible if you lose someone close to you. Who, what superhero hasn't experienced that? And therefore, the perfect Spider-Man story pretty much did the perfect superhero story in general. Yeah. There's, there's no reason. I can't see anyone ever trying to make this same type of story, but with... Superman from a billion different alternate realities. I, I don't see that I don't working. think that would work. But if there was that moment where a thousand supermen were all like, well, I want to save my home planet. And everyone's like, no, that's what makes us Superman is losing our home planet. Uh, yes. Part of, you know, the fundamental thing that makes Superman who he is, is losing his planet. But I don't think Superman could acknowledge his universal story in such a way. I don't think if you got a thousand Batmen in a room and tried to write all of them trying to be like, he wants to save his parents, but we know we have to let our parents die. Like, No, every single Batman would go save his parents. Yeah. And so having Spider-Men that are like, nah, like uh, losing Uncle Ben sucked. But losing Uncle Ben had to happen. And then having, you know, Gwen Stacy be like, it was, for her, it was Peter Parker. But for a lot of other Gwen Stacys, it's the dad. Mm-hmm. Like, that's another thing that's really interesting. Um, dang it. Again. Um, it's fine. In, Keep going. In the first movie, there's just quick flashes where we find out that, uh, Gwen Stacy lost her version of Peter Parker and there's quick shots where you see as she's holding Peter Parker his skin has like scales on it and if you know the comics her version of Peter Parker turns into her version of the lizard cool the entire first scene of this movie lays out that whole plot line Mm -hmm. and does such a great job of taking five minutes Grabbing you by the heartstrings, making you care about characters, still getting to the the end of the story that we've already been told about from the first movie. And by the end, it is heartbreaking. All the while, 
this is paired to a drum solo. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, how do you do this? Talent. Oh my gosh, it's it's insane. And it's all done in her art style. So the, the you know, uh, mood ring watercolor. It's not okay. And because I'm a huge fan of The Boys, the uh, Amazon TV series, I just found out recently that Gwen Stacy's version of Peter Parker is voiced by Jack Quaid. And that yeah. is also amazing. He um, plays Huey in The Boys, for those of you who do not know. Yes. Um just this this movie every single thing about it is so freaking incredible there's a horse with a spider-man mask sure is and i love that about it there's a cat um they even included the spider-man popsicle dude yes i found out the other day there's, I don't know if it's just a single shot or if I need to rewatch it. I, I know I need to rewatch it. But apparently in the background, they show the Spider-Man popsicle. I don't know if he flies through the air just like someone threw it or if he's a sentient Spider-Man popsicle. But what? Um, God damn it, dude. If you haven't seen this movie, you've gotta. If you haven't seen this movie and you've made it this far into this episode... Why did you do this to yourself? Damn it, I hate you. Peter B. Parker has a baby now. And she has spider powers. And just the tiny amounts that we get to see him interact with Mary Jane. He is such a good husband. He is. And And, such a cute dad. such a cute dad. What was her name again? It's May. So she's named after Aunt May. But he calls her Mayday, I'm pretty sure. Mayday. I love that. Yeah. Um, so good. Like, guys, this movie is perfect. Phenomenal. And the first time we saw it, we were... We usually sit pretty close to the screen at IMAX movies. Not front row, but not too far from it. Um, and this movie, there were times where I was like, this is a lot. Like, I'm getting sensory overload, and I'm not even susceptible to sensory overload. This is a lot. So, I want to see this movie. I love this movie so much. I want to see it in a toned-down way in order to take in more of it. I think next time we see it in the theaters, we're going to see it in a non-IMAX. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I cannot overstate how good this movie is. It's gorgeous, and it nails every character it writes, and it nails how to write lore as a plot point, Mm -hmm. or as a plot element. Like, oh, yeah. Um, And like you mentioned earlier, I don't think any live-action film would ever be capable of coming close Absolutely not. To what this did. Because you can't take out a camera and film any shot to look like it was filmed with that many different types of camera. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just, it's impossible. But the way you draw something has infinite possibilities. 
Um, yeah, there, there are so many tiny, minute details. Um, like I said about the first movie, it's a very you-get-what-you-give type thing. And a big thing that's led me to that belief is that I've seen the first movie with the audio commentary with the directors all talking and then discussing what went into bringing that movie to life. I can't wait to own Across the Spider-Verse. And a lot of that reasoning is so that I can listen to the audio commentary. I think that is going to be fascinating. I can't wait to go through all of the special features. Because, yeah, I feel like this is very much one of those movies like every new piece of information you get about the Spider-Verse films. It's just going to make you love it even more. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I think I'm finally good to wrap up. I'm sure I will still have a moment of, oh my gosh, and that one scene. But damn it, I love this movie. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. We are open to discussing this movie endlessly mm-hmm. with whoever wants to discuss yeah. it. Yeah. Unless you have negativity about it, and then you're wrong. Yeah. Um, oh, we keep talking about Spider-Punk. Spider-Punk is voiced by Daniel Kaluuya, who murders the role sure does oh he's so cool so punk oh i i'm a big fan of daniel kaluuya I'm, yeah i'm not even a like the biggest fan of every single one of his roles but he is an actor that i really like just watching mm-hmm. he's really really good do you have anything else not that i can think of okay. right now cool cool um i think our dog is ready I, for us to yeah, be done recording yeah. all right Thank you so much. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram, the.real.couple. Uh, you can email us, therealcouplepod at gmail.com. Uh, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts. And uh, just once again, I, I have absolutely loved and adored the opportunity and ability we've had to make this podcast, to bring it to life, to, to give it to you. And every time you guys reach out and just say like, hey, I I just listened to your episode, like I liked it, or, you know, I agree with this or I disagree with that. I love it all. Um, So yeah, thank you so much for for tuning in, for listening to us, for giving us a chance. Um, If, you know, if you're willing to share this around, I so appreciate that. Um, But yeah, let us know if there's anything you want from this podcast um because yeah i i would love to uh you know to hear if there's anything uh that we can do better or uh or any ideas from you that uh you think could could make this even cooler than it already is yeah. all right thank you so much have a great rest of your day love you bye bye bye